Welcome to this episode of It Depends. My name is Ben Robin. I'm here with Jesse Brown. Hello, everybody. And Daniel Pritchett. Hi, Ben. Hi, Jesse. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so on Twitter, at ClearFunction or hashtag It Depends. And today, this week, the three of us are going to talk about pair programming. So what is it? Why do we do it? And what are the different aspects uh, we can think about as we're thinking about pair programming? And then are there any downsides or negatives to pair programming and maybe reasons or times when you shouldn't do it? Um, so, Jesse, why don't you give us the quick explainer of what it is, if somebody's never heard of this. Sure, if you haven't heard of pair programming, it's usually when, uh, usually a pair, two people, are sitting at the same computer trying to solve the same problem. Um, is that a reasonable explanation, Daniel? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you'd add, Daniel, to that? I mean, that's no, pretty I think that's pretty much cut the essence of it. Basically doubling up the uh, the people on the... Well, I guess we've we've done it before with groups bigger than two, but typically pair is yeah. the reason for the name is two. Yeah. So why would you do it, Daniel? Why uh, would you pair a program with someone rather than just do it by yourself? So that you can find a better solution in less time? Yeah, that seems reasonable. I, I usually do it when I'm stuck mm-hmm. or unknowledgeable in a particular Same area um, to try to do some knowledge sharing. Right. Um, that's usually where I find the most value is learning about the piece that I'm unfamiliar with um, when I'm trying to achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. And so having someone else who knows a, be- a bit about what's going on uh, really helps accelerate it to Daniel's point, yeah. uh, generally speaking. I wind up doing a lot of de facto pairing when I'm working in a technology I'm not super familiar with. Like I know what I need to do and I know how I do it in a different tool set. And I ask the people you know, across the room like, hey, here's the thing that I can describe in generic computer science terms. They have that in this tool set, right? What's it called? <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think maybe a helpful distinction might be the, the amount of time you spend on it. So, like, if I'm just getting a second opinion on what some UI looks like, I wouldn't call that pairing. That'd just be like a, right. hey, come mm-hmm. give me a consult or a, a second opinion on this or something. But more uh, spending extended period of time, maybe an hour or more, yeah. um, sitting together and going through some problem or some story would yeah, be more to, pair program. To get into more about what it is, it's not just two people sitting next to each other they but they both generally don't have keyboards it's usually like one right. driver so right. i guess like one host and one guest sure. is yeah. what we can call it and like you've got a problem usually someone's got you know their text editor and the application open of choice and then they've uh they help describe the problem to the person they've kind of brought into the right. brought into the problem space and then together they just try to solve that uh, usually you know the guest will just sort of sit back and uh a lot of times just sort of guide the host down the path that they think is mm-hmm. together. And of course it op- a lot of discussion, a lot sure. of discussion. That's usually what the purpose is. So as we're sort of moving into different aspects of it, let's think about how to pair better uh, with each other. So like I'm thinking, for example, I've noticed a lot lately when I need pair help, I will even take a step back from the specific problem and say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Ooh. And I, and I, like you said, Jesse, I do often bring somebody else in when I'm stuck, mm-hmm. but it's almost like maybe I'm stuck because I've been thinking too narrowly about yeah. this. Right. So or I want to explain. That's too yeah. confusing for, you know, maybe not the wrong reasons. Right. Right. That's, right. And I've just been great. looking at it for too long. And so I want you to hear what are we trying to accomplish so that you can sort of take a fresh perspective, look at it. I think we've all done the opposite before where you bring somebody yeah. in to help and you want them to solve the problem that you have right in front of you. And they're like, well, that's not the right direction. And you're like, shut up. Just tell me <laughs> the answer to the question I asked you. I mean, my, my kid will do that when she's doing math problems. She'll ask me the answer and I'll try to explain the 
the context and the background. She's like, nope, nope, nope. Just tell me the answer and go away. <laughs> and I never indulge her. And I guess we shouldn't do that to each other either because it's rarely a good sign. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's not helping either of you learn either, right? Like if, if I bring you in to help me, I want to... I, hopefully it would cut down on times I would need to bring someone else in later mm-hmm. uh, for, for my own help. Although there are reasons, Jesse, that you rightly noted where you might want to pair with someone uh, as they're coding something to learn more about that technology or that piece of business logic. Right. So there's definitely benefit for both the host and the guest if we want to use the terms we started with. Yeah. Yeah. As far as like sh- showing them the exact problem you're wanting to solve, like if you're stuck and you're like, yeah, I just don't know what the algorithm should be here. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty straight, straight, direct sort of thing you need help with. And that yeah. can, that can be a pretty small uh, task to do as a, as a pair. Um, but like you said, depending on what it is, like it, you as the guest might go over there and you're like, what in the world is happening? Like you can look at a function and maybe it's a function with only like three lines and like one input, but like just looking at the inputs and the name of the method, you have realized they have gone down the wrong yeah. path, you know, cause if, if they don't explain to you what they're doing and you just solve the problem, you may not be helping them. Right. right. So you do have to, I do think to Ben's point, like it is worth taking a step back and being like, here's the problem I'm trying to solve. And here's where I'm stuck just so that they have a little bit of context to make sure that that method either is, like, you know, does that method seem insane or is that like reasonable given mm-hmm. what he just told me? Because if you just go over there and fix the problem, they may get stuck a few minutes later um, or it just may be the wrong product at the end of the day. Right. right. Like, uh, so I think it is important to have context as the guest coming in. I'll bring in another aspect of pair programming, specifically rubber ducking is kind of what we've grown to call it. Um, I don't know if that's our term. I think it's probably just kind of an industry thing. Uh, But basically the idea is I just need somebody to listen to me solve this problem because I've been looking at it for too long and I'm not maybe thinking about it rightly. But even just telling you what's going on sometimes will immediately I will realize, oh, well, of course, that's what I need to do. Right. So we call that it's almost like you've got a little rubber duck on your monitor that's just listening to you as you're processing out loud. And then usually you're able to a lot of times you're able to solve the problem just by saying it out loud. Right. If you can explain it to someone else, then you understand the knowledge space. If you bring someone over and you can't explain what you're trying to solve, that's why you can't solve it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so Good like, point. uh, so that, that's sort of, I think the, if there is science behind it, the science behind rubber ducking is yeah. just because you have to explain it to someone who isn't as deep into the problem set as you are. Right. right. And so by doing so you've broken it down into core components again, um, just for, you know, presentation purposes. And that's why, when you present as well, if you're a person who goes to like user groups and presents on topics, um, you'll know the material a lot better after presenting it than you, than you will just kind of looking it up. Um, right. you'll, you'll, you just get more comfortable with it and you, the confidence is a lot higher, uh, the easier it is to explain to someone else. Could you guys give a percentage maybe, and just a, a rough ballpark of how many times you feel like you're pairing for rubber ducking, like you just needed to say it out loud versus how many times it's, I really actually need like you, something, you know, that I don't know that mm-hmm. I want to learn kind of thing. Is that a 50-50? Is it more or less? What do you think? I'd say for me, it really depends on the type of project. Okay. I mean, the projects I've been working on most of my time lately, I have less technical experience in the tool set than most of the other people on the project. So pretty frequently, I'll say I have a conceptual understanding of it, but not only do I need you to tell me the name of the thing, but I'd really like you to sit and watch me do it for 10 minutes so I don't go in the wrong direction and spend sure. half a day when it would take you 10 minutes. Like I want to try to split the difference where I learn something and I help myself, but I also don't beat my head against it when it shouldn't be hard. And so, so there's knowledge sharing and productivity value in right. that for sure. And so, yeah, for me, that's most of the time, I think, what I'm doing. I don't find myself rubber ducking too much okay. lately. Yeah. If it's a tool set where I really feel comfortable with it, then a lot of it is just getting someone to help me 
sound things out and get my thoughts in order. Yeah, that makes sense. Jesse, what about you? I'd say most of my rubber ducking when I when I or I guess my pair programming when I want someone to uh, come help me is generally either the tool chain, like Daniel said, or uh, just kind of getting ramped up with the problem space mm-hmm. that they're in. It's less about like the problem I'm trying to solve, more about getting caught up to the point where I can, you know, not waste time trying to just understand the architecture around the the place that I'm going to try to change. Right. Yeah. You know? I guess I find myself rubber ducking more often um, because as I'm thinking through recent examples, I can think, I can remember myself saying, oh, of course, that's what I need to do, which mm-hmm. it, that evidences to me that it was really rubber ducking that I needed. Uh, right. Well, so. a lot of that can be the mark of experience or skill when it comes to development. A senior developer will make something look simple, but the the art is the 99 things that you didn't even try doing <laughs> because you knew they wouldn't work, right? Sure. When you, when you appropriately identify and apply the right solution, it usually looks good on paper, but you could maybe have someone who's not done it before slowly figuring something out in a very inefficient way. And it would technically work, but it would look bad. So if it's you just talking it through and realizing you already knew what you were doing, then you're pretty close to not needing much help with that thing. Yeah. So let's talk about um, sort of the tooling, uh, maybe that we, some tools that we might use to make this uh, easier or, or better on us to benefit more from pair programming. Okay. Ben and I have been trading tasks back and forth lately where we'll both be working on the same thing for a day or three. And... Uh, we're both using Visual Studio, and we use uh, different keyboards, and I use a split keyboard with a trackball, and I use Vim keys, and Ben doesn't. So we'll just use Git to commit the code and send it from my machine to his, which is maybe two minutes out, a two-minute change over time. I've probably said I'll send it to your screen a dozen times in the last week, maybe. Right, right. And half of that's going to be maybe Ben knows this part of the problem space better than I do, but the other half is just going to be energy levels. Like maybe I can sense Ben's getting frustrated and I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs, just, you know, cheering him on. I'm like, okay, well, Ben, then it's more of like a wrestling thing. We would just tag out and like, I'll come in and beat my head against this for a while and you can, <laughs> you can recharge and cheer me on. That's probably right. an under undervalued or under acknowledged thing that happens in yeah. programming too. And I mean, we, this example you're bringing up, uh, recent days is, uh, we're doing a lot of reporting and dashboard work. So a lot of trending and math that we don't, I think, often probably do uh, when we're writing code. Yeah. Uh, so when you find yourself doing that kind of thing, you know, it takes a lot, a different kind of thinking, I think, than, than we're used to. And so you can kind of bang your head against the wall on it. Like yeah, I actually you thought what you were going to say is a big part of it is actually the, the, the cheerleading or the confirmation that you're mm-hmm. going in the right path. Like that alone is worth a pair programming session a lot of times, right? Yeah. Because if you keep questioning yourself and, redoing it or like even if you subconsciously question yourself a lot of times you'll make almost no progress because Uh you're not sure it's the right way to go and so you'll just spin your wheels like almost on purpose because it's like well i don't really think this is the right way i'm going i'm just going to kind of you know just sort of push forward a little bit where if someone's next to being like yeah this is what i would do then you know that confidence it means a lot another thing i've seen ben and i ben and seen myself doing with ben uh, when we're pairing and trading stories is uh, we do better at keeping each other focused on critical path even within a story. Like if I see that Ben is getting really interested in a specific dirty corner of the problem that <laughs> I feel like is really not core to the main solution, I'll try and badger Imagine, him yeah. until he writes a little method. You know, this is the thing that I'll figure out later. And then gets back to solving the main problem. And I think it does the same to me sometimes. Like you can keep each other on task 
better to where you get more bigger things done in the same amount of time, which is a good positive reinforcement for both of us. Yeah, that's definitely true. I find myself pairing with you a little bit more, Jesse, on, um, I think, wider level refactor things. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, we could pull this out into its own thing and write tests around it, um, but it's used in a dozen places. So that might be kind of hard. Will you sit with me while I do this so that I don't screw something up (laughs) kind of thing? Right, yeah. So I've seen us use that a lot. For yeah, I think Jesse's short-term memory for that type of work is bigger than mine. Pretty often when Jesse and I are going side-by-side side on refactoring something, I'll start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. Like, I know where we're going, we're doing good, I'm 20 minutes in, and suddenly Jesse suggests a direction, and I think, wait a minute, I've got this many files open, I forgot where we were, so <laughs> stop, let me take a deep breath, write something down, and can you repeat it to me? None of the individual steps are overwhelming, it's just... Like, our individual facility for juggling or spending this many plates at the same time is going to be different just right. as humans. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah, you were talking about tools. Do you find the sort of sending it to your screen, committing it to a branch, and then having to pull it down and uh, just to, you know, because you sit next to each other. Right. And so, you know, it's just swapping chairs and swapping monitors, basically. Yeah. We slide uh, over about 12 inches. After yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that, do you find that that works well? Well, the reason we do it is, I think Daniel was bringing this up, he uses Vim, and yeah. I don't. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I was wondering, like, is it is it oh, a yeah. consequence of the hardware, or is it more like the hardware and the software choices that you as individuals have chosen, yeah. Yeah. or I'm is it just, more just like preference? I'm of, using Vim as shorthand because that's the most massive difference. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the trackball and the split keyboard are also minor differences. Right. Um, I'd say more than minor. Well, uh, yeah. I've tried to use the trackball a few times. Anytime I pair with Daniel, I'm like, if I think I need a code, I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna you go push that, and you <laughs> slide over you here. you turn it, it yeah, scrolls. You're talking about it's so, so weird. Cool. It's There's so a weird. left-handed scrolly trackball and the right-handed yeah, left handed as well. Ball. He's left-handed as well, so the clicks are exactly not where you think they are. I right-click constantly. But yeah. I got to write a program the other day to click to toggle Windows mouse oh, button. Oh, gosh. I was that there helped. when that was being written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think, I think that having the environment be as close to natural and not requiring any thought as possible helps a lot for me. Yeah, it's the same thing as not wanting to be distracted by tangential issues. Like, you don't yeah. want, we want to solve the main meat of the problem here. Yeah. Uh, not be distracted so by how past, do I use this trackball. <laughs> I've had people... Um, we had a uh, a shared conference room that had a uh, a like Wi-Fi keyboard and mouse combo that mm-hmm. was there ready to mm-hmm. use. And so sometimes to pair, we would actually just take the laptop, whoever was working on it, and then go in there and like now you both have a keyboard and a mouse. Interesting. And so like if you were now it doesn't fix Vim, right? Yeah. Like nothing fixes Vim. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I agree. But yeah, the uh, but is that something that like you would? Would you rather be in your own sort of seat and element with your trackball? Like if you yeah. if you had a shared conference like sort of space with a big screen that you both could sit at, is that something that would like work for you guys? Yeah, I've seen it work, but I've also seen people be less you know enthusiastic about the idea. Seems right? like a little overhead of. I mean, this is kind of funny, but it, it is a little overhead of. I've got to get up and go to a different room, and yeah, it, like is this problem big enough? Are we going to spend enough time on this for me to? sort of spin those cycles too. I think right. sometimes that mental and emotional context switch of ganging up on a problem in a conference room is great. But yeah. for me personally, I've got some ergonomic reasons behind my choice of giant keyboard right, and mouse sure. and yeah, screen sure. for that matter. And Right, going to in like a 40-inch that's mounted like 10 inches too high. For right. Your, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. not the same situation. Yeah, I, I'm not going to feel like I have as much... I think my potential in a single hour of getting things done is probably maximized with all my peripherals. But mm-hmm. Agreed. 
Same for here. a whole day or a whole week, there's definitely going to be times where getting together and using suboptimal equipment is better for other reasons. Just yeah. Do you, as a host, ever disable things like Vim for somebody, or like bump your font up? Like, what are the things you do yeah. as a host to make someone who you haven't paired with very often, uh, you know, feel comfortable at the keyboard, or do you just have to switch to their machine? Is the it number like, one thing I do is bump font size up. Yeah. yeah, all the time I do that, and I, it's such an easy thing to get a big win on. So yeah. why would you not do it? Yeah, that's pretty common. Uh, I've been thinking during this uh, talk about whether or not I should get to the point where I can toggle Vim mode on and off with the key press. I don't know if that would make Ben feel any better about using my keyboard. And it is pretty low friction for us to trade. Yeah, I, mean, I like think I you said, can it, toggle it on and off with the key press. The keys just always change on me. <laughs> just right. kidding. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, that that sort of works for you guys because you're right next to each other, right? right? If you're doing like remote pairing, mm-hmm. um, swapping's not nearly as uh, convenient. Like there hasn't Screen Hero, for instance, is one that yeah. we've used before. Um, it's fairly decent at you connecting with whoever you want to and both having like keyboard and mouse input. Right. Um, Slack now does screen sharing as well. It does screen sharing, but not like mouse and keyboard right. thing. Yeah, I found that. You know. I think they're gonna integrate that i imagine I think so well yeah. they did buy uh, screen hero right so yeah i don't know we'll i hope see. so but i love screen hero for it you're able to control the the other pass control and there are oddities sometimes like everything that i've ever had that takes input like there's always like one random key that does something really weird right like it'll insert some oh, weird character yeah. or something you're like what why is backspace inserting a character and it's yeah. like it's mapped weirdly because of, you know, you have OS something and someone else has a different OS and different versions of the product. Like, eh, it, it usually works. But I will say remote uh, screen sharing for, like, me, it, like, it's mostly about the screen sharing, less yep. about the input sharing. Input sharing has never been very smooth in my experience. Agreed. I was using Zoom the other day, screen sharing, and when I was trying to tab, it would insert the tab character instead of tabbing to the other control. Awesome. Wildly frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I kept forgetting that it would do that. So it, that was that's crazy sometimes. I've definitely done situations like that where I've got, I'm doing a remote pairing session, and maybe the person on the other end is reaching through the Internet to type on my computer. And in that case, I kind of have to work like a butler. Like, they can type the <laughs> yeah. code in the editor, but when it comes to finding the files or doing specific operating stuff, because maybe I'm running Linux and they're running OS X, they'll just say, like, I really need the browser to be open to this tab now. <laughs> and they can right. take their hands off and I'll make it happen. Yeah, or they're like, why is typing not working? You're like, oh, let me clear the buffer in insert mode real quick. You know, yeah, or something. yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing I've been thinking here is, Especially in enterprise jobs in the past, pair programming was in a way controversial. Like you pretty quickly get down to the bean counting perspective of why would I pay two people to do one job? Right. So I don't see that happening much here, but there are companies where... I've never seen that happen here. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But it it is still controversial. So I think it's worth bringing up. Like, you know, some people don't really believe that the added, you know, the, the speed differential or product output from from you know two people being on it or basically 1.5 right because right. you know you're not got two people coding at the same time yeah. um that output doesn't equal the you know it, it doesn't average out for it for a game that well it's, kinda... that's a little bit simplistic too right because it's not always speed differential that you gain i mean two people on one thing sometimes goes faster sometimes it takes longer but you gain in knowledge sharing the next mm-hmm. time yes. if daniel and i do something together on a dashboard then the next widget that we do separately is faster and that becomes really hard to track as you as those variables. Right. Yeah, I think a lot out. of it is tracking. Um, yeah. And and depending on the client, you know, and depending on how your 
uh, billing the client, like it is a big difference, right? right. Um, because sure. if you're if you're billing per hour, then like you know you're having two people on the same task, like it may or may not depending on the if they've got more benefit out of this afterwards. If you mm-hmm. got more tasks lined up that are related, then it mm-hmm. makes sense. But like if they don't have more tasks, then like maybe it doesn't. Like maybe right. you just mm-hmm. should spin your wheels a little bit longer and just power through it. You know, a lot yeah. of this comes back to fundamental inscrutability of development efforts like you can tell exactly how much you're paying someone to type 40 hours a week but you can't really tell as easily how much value ben's programming is given to the business versus jesse's or daniel's and maybe i could say that me and ben doing 10 hours of pairing a week is saving the company 20 hours of bug fixes and rework or 30 hours or whatever the magic number is that makes it sound like it's a clear win but that's a lot harder to prove and people are not necessarily incentivized to even want to prove it it seems like as a general rule of thumb, in the short term, it might seem a lot more expensive, but in the long term, it likely pays off. I mean, it seems like nine times out of 10, it pays off. Yeah, I think... But hard to, to put causation to that. There certainly right. is correlation. Yeah, and, and I know some... Uh, and I'm a, you know, just to say, I'm a huge fan of pair programming. Me but, too. But, you know, I've read on the disadvantages of it. Some people think that it can easily hide your underperformers that mm-hmm. you rather replace, right? At some point, you know, because yeah. if they're constantly getting... If they're just being a cheerleader... Or if they're just being a keyboard jockey for the guy who's telling them what to do behind him, right? Um, you know, those are those are things that you know people can. Uh, if you have a they like to throw out power there. or skill imbalance between two people, then pairing is really different. Like I think Ben and I are right now with what we're working on at a point where we're both at similar skill levels, but in different facets of the mm-hmm. problem, where we can trade off happily and frequently. But if you find yourself talking to someone and telling them word for word what to type for the entire session, which I'm sure we've all seen that, then it's a really different thing. And then you're like, okay, this isn't like me doing it, except it takes three times as long because they're listening and typing it, and I hope they're at least learning something. Yeah, how do you feel about like uh, junior programmers and people new to programming, like with pair programming? Do you think pair programming is better, or do you think like kind of sending them off on their own and then getting feedback in like a a uh, pull request or like, you know, when they get stuck, they come mm-hmm. to you sort of like, what's your sort of a uh, way to go now that pair programming is sort of a thing that people do in this decade. In all seriousness, I think when you are pairing with someone younger or so I shouldn't say younger, less experience, mm-hmm. uh, cause it's not so much restricted to age, the host guest thing, determining who should drive and who should watch, mm-hmm. uh, can be really like I, my initial thought is I'd love to host because it's going to be more frustrating to watch. But it may be more helpful for me to let them yeah. drive. I yeah. feel like the more you know, the less you should be typing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was my thing. But it also can make them really nervous in yeah. my experience, right? I like some people don't like asking, like, having... is it worth just sticking with them and pairing from start to finish rather than giving them a chance to go work on their own and then come back and yeah. bring you their problems? Yeah, I, think... I think it's personality difference on yeah, like whoever true. whoever the person is that you're you know trying to get up to speed and, yeah. and task learn. too. Some yeah. tasks are not good for pairing, yeah. depending on what's going on. Yeah, I know sometimes when I'm working with Jesse on things, he'll give me some suggestions that involve research, and then I'll go research it, and then I'll work on it for half a day. Then I'll come back and say, okay, we, I looked up that thing. Here's the 17 things from the manual that are relevant to this problem. So now I'm stuck with a decision to make that I'm not sure about, and often Jesse can help me make that decision based on maybe his knowledge of the product or the project. And at least he didn't have to read that, read all the help docs while I was doing that. So we're both making progress, right? Different areas in different yeah. things, and then coming back together when necessary. I do feel that not all juniors are going to be are going to enjoy pairing full time. Some people do prefer working alone to try to get yeah. things done on their own. Yeah. So I think if asking and knowing the person is the answer to that and, question. 
Yeah, well, and also I think if you're finding yourself answer the exact same questions mm-hmm. or the same kind or category of question over and over again, it might be worthwhile rather than sending them off on their own to do it to watch how they answer the question or how they oh, yeah. solve the problem so that then you can diagnose better where do they really need help because mm-hmm. the question they're asking might not be their actual question, right? their actual problem. I've seen that, again, with children. Uh, maybe if you see that someone doesn't understand or is not answering a question the way you want them to, I like to try to figure out what's their thought process that's getting them there and con- yeah. contrast it to my thought process that's leading to something else and try to meet in the middle and to discuss our differences rather than just telling them that's definitely not right. Try right. harder. Eventually yeah. you'll see it my way. That just doesn't, it doesn't foster learning typically if you just say, just do it this way. Yeah. You kind of, and I think it's different for every, like as I'm a, as I play guests to a lot of people, like depending on the host, it changes how I act as a guest uh-huh. a lot. Right. Yeah, that's true. Some people really that's like to be told like the next things to type. Mm-hmm. when you can see that they've paused and some yeah. people really don't and like you have to know that person like you have to learn that right like some people just want you to sit back and sort of uh, only interject when they ask about yeah. something or and but some people are like we're doing this together man like i want you thinking about the same words i'm thinking about yeah. you know like and, and it, it it can be really frustrating for the for the host who's typing if you're telling them every character and they don't really want to hear it like right you know or like oh don't do that line that way do the other one and like it's it's really hard to uh you know to hold back sometimes mm-hmm. on some of that. Cause it, you know, like Ben said earlier, like you want to be the host if you think you know more about the problem space, because it can be really frustrating right. when someone like type themselves into a brick yep. wall. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, what's happening? Like, and it's like, well, yeah. eh, you know, just, just step back, take yeah. a breather, let, let it, let it run its course because it may, it may end up better than you ever thought. Mm-hmm. And also it, it, they'll learn something along the way if it's not right. Yeah. If it is wrong and like you end up having to do it the way that you were thinking then, uh, or at least there's some middle ground, generally yeah. speaking, right? If you thought one way and they thought another and you know, there's somewhere in the middle that you guys can like kind of get to. Ben and I have great arguments about that. I'll be like begging and Ben, please stop doing what you're doing <laughs> and yeah, type what true. I want you to type instead and think about that. And, and I think we sometimes probably, I win and sometimes yeah, I don't. It's we we're constantly arguing about that. Like, yeah. So you guys help me out. Which do you prefer? Like uh, Daniel, do you prefer to be told what to type, or do you prefer to figure it out yourself and only be helped when you when it looks like you need it? I think it again depends on the problem and the relationship. Sure. Like, when Jesse was talking about people who want you to quietly watch and only chime in when asked, I'm thinking like a pilot co-pilot relationship. Like you imagine mm-hmm. a classic flying scenario: the pilot is or the captain is in charge. They're flying the plane. Right. The co-pilot has lots of responsibilities, including taking over when necessary. But they're not giving. They're not dictating. Right. They're yeah. there. They're maybe looking at the map on right. the radio, whatever. And yeah, it's I, more like a student driver. Yeah. <laughs> the other way around. As right? opposed We're to like, maybe you, like a you have control of the brakes and the steering if you really need it. <laughs> but like you're just trying to pretend that they're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Sometimes that's what's happening. And other times it's really the other way around where you're, yeah, I guess imagine a 15 year old driving with your parent in the passenger seat and you're just learning to drive. Then you're going to want to be paying very close attention and giving some serious instructions like don't do that. Do do this. Yep. Jesse, I feel like I know the answer for you because I feel like when you bring me over, it's either for really, really specific question. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, how did we do this? Or, um, help me think through how should we do this knowing right. what you know about the problem. Yeah, I'd say a lot of my pair programming, like you said, is very specific. I keep yeah. my pair pro- my, my stuff down. I think to I, I work alone very well and so I like to work if I if I am stuck then it's usually a very specific problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, which is good and bad. But anyway, uh yeah I I prefer to like 
get advice when I've asked about it. Mm-hmm. Right? At the yeah. last second, yeah. if it looks like you're struggling, yeah, jump yeah. In. yeah, like I, yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, I think that about does it. Uh, you guys can catch us on Twitter at, at @clearfunction or hashtag it depends and discuss this episode or any episode. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to It Depends, a podcast by Clear Function. Clear Function is a group of happy engineers based in Memphis, Tennessee. We partner with visionaries to bring their ideas to life. For more information, check out our website at clearfunction.com.